Hi there, and welcome to Even If, a weekly podcast about standing firm when life is shaking. I'm your host, Kelly Strife. Strife rhymes with wife. And together, we're finding the courage to approach uncertain and unwanted seasons of life through a posture of faith that stands firm and declares, even if he doesn't, he is still good. I don't know about you, but we are limping across the finish line over here. The finish line of 2020, the finish line of Christmas and the holiday season, the finish line of work and projects and expectations. We're gonna make it, but it's not gonna be a pretty finish. And that's okay, I've accepted that. I've resorted to writing names on presents directly with Sharpies which for me is an all new low. I love wrapping and coordinating and creating beautiful packages, but this year it's Sharpie straight on the paper, which sounds about right. (laughs) What do you do? And as I look at everything that's going undone and unfinished and recognizing that it's not my best work, I'm tempted to feel like I'm failing in every area of my life. I'm missing the moment or the opportunity is passing me by and I might not get another chance. I feel this pressure that I'm failing everywhere. But instead of beating myself up and holding myself to an impossible standard right now, I'm trying something new. This is still new for me. But I'm embracing the phrase, I'm doing the best I can. I have said that over myself over and over and over in the past couple of days. I'm staring at the presents that are half wrapped under the Christmas tree and envisioning how much prettier I'd love to make them and taking a deep breath releasing my expectations and whispering, I'm doing the best I can. I'm watching the number of unread emails get higher and higher, and instead of worrying about how many people are waiting on a response from me, I'm exhaling. You know, I'm doing the best I can. And when I start to feel like I'm not meeting someone else's expectations, which probably are actually my expectations, but I'm reminding myself then one more time, I am doing the best I can. The problem is that my best right now isn't what I want it to be. I want to have the time and energy and capacity to manage all of my responsibilities and work out and eat well and practice safety from COVID and wrap beautiful presents and write meaningful words and connect with people and spend time listening to Jesus and to miss our daughter and to work on adoption paperwork and make important decisions and reflect on this year and set goals for 2021 and spend quality time with my husband. And I could just keep going from here. I want to be able to do these things. But this year, I can't. At least I can't do all of them. Grief and longing and disappointment and anxiety and pain and loss have diminished my capacity. And they've likely diminished yours too. Whether there's an intense grief from an event or whether there's just the overall grief from everything this year has stolen, most of us are functioning at a lower capacity than we're used to. So I'm making a conscious effort to give myself grace. And every time I speak this phrase over myself, every time I gently remind my brain and my body that I'm already giving everything I have to offer. I'm releasing shame and failure. The result isn't that I have the capacity for more. It's not that suddenly I like half-wrapped presents or the red number on my email goes away. I'm not necessarily more content with the outcome, 
but I am content with my offering. And I'm proud of what I have to give, however little it may seem. I'm doing the best I can. And maybe you are too. But last night, my best left me angry and upset. Peter was bewildered and confused, and it involved a lot more shouting than I'd like to admit. I pushed, Peter pushed back, and I refused to back down. And so we stared at each other, and I was just daring him to say the wrong thing. And somehow, while he was figuring out what to do next, I just burst out laughing. And I was so mad that I was laughing. Have you ever done that? It wasn't funny, and it wasn't happy. And I couldn't figure out why my body was betraying me. I did not mean to laugh. But it just started bubbling out of me, and then... Just as quickly as I started laughing, I started to cry. And it was an ugly cry. It was that full-on, snot-smearing, body-racking, breath-hiccuping kind of cry. And you know what Peter did? He walked straight toward me. He wrapped his arms around me. He laid my head on his chest. And he held me until it passed. He didn't stand his ground or fight to be right, even though he was. He didn't hold me to my anger. He stayed. He held me. And he sacrificed for me. And something about that moment triggered this thought in my mind as I was thinking about this Christmas season. Peter stayed. He stayed. Like Joseph stayed. And as I've reflected on the story of Christmas for myself, and as I've pondered what I should share with you, I've dismissed so many messages because they all boil down to trying harder, trusting deeper, and believing better. And if you're like me, you don't have any er left. (laughs) So I've rejected every message that has even a hint of striving or chastising or forcing ourselves into merriment or joy, because yes, our perspective matters. Yes, there are times that we choose our attitude, but I just don't think that's what we need to hear right now. At least, I don't need to hear that right now. I think what we need to hear is that Joseph stayed. Joseph, whose life had just been turned completely upside down, who didn't get what he signed up for, who would be the subject of gossip and speculation and shame. Joseph, who suddenly found himself subject to the hormonal mood swings of a pregnant wife, who had to trust the word of an angel over logic, who had to put his own physical desires on hold, and who had to flee his home to protect a baby that was not his own. Joseph, who found himself in a story he wouldn't have chosen, with an ending he couldn't have understood. Joseph stayed. He stayed. Scripture doesn't tell us much about the people in Mary's life. We don't hear a word about her mother and father. We don't get a rundown of which friends whispered in judgment or jealously walked away. We hear about two people. We hear about Elizabeth, who became pregnant in her old age after decades of longing and then found her thunder stolen by a teenage virgin who birthed the Messiah to her forerunner. And yet when Mary reached her, Elizabeth blessed and honored both the girl and the babe, celebrating the faith that God would fulfill his promise to her. She stayed. And we hear about Joseph. And we don't know much about anybody else. 
But maybe that's because they didn't matter anyway. What mattered were the people who stayed. And that might be a word for somebody right there. And I'm struck by this kindness of God. Because Mary was very literally carrying the presence of God inside of her. She could see her body swelling with his form and feel his moves. God with us took on a whole new meaning for Mary. God with her became God with us. And we would never be alone again. No matter the depth of our loneliness or longing, God would be with us and that changed everything. But Joseph was with her too. And it mattered so much to God that Mary have Joseph by her side that he sent the angel to confirm his calling. Joseph didn't mean to stay. In fact, Luke chapter 2 verse 19 tells us his intentions. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He wasn't planning to stay. And who could blame him? But verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of God, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. He stayed, he sacrificed, and he walked with her every step of the way. And every one of us that's walked through the pain of a story you wouldn't have chosen knows how much it means when people stay, when they willingly step into your mess and stand by your side, when they remember the dates and say their names and sit in silence while you cry and lead the way through the dark, when they sacrifice their own desires for your survival and need. I think it was the goodness of God that sent Jesus. But it was the kindness of God that gave Joseph. God with us would have been enough. But Joseph was with her too. I haven't talked a lot about this part of our story, but my sister and I were pregnant at the exact same time. We were due just a couple of weeks apart. Imogen was born on June 14th, and Lucy, my sister's daughter, was born six days later. Talk about the tension of joy and sorrow, of pain and celebration. My parents left the hospital in Atlanta after Imogen died and drove straight to Michigan to sit in another hospital in another waiting room and meet another granddaughter just six days after saying goodbye to our girl. And now we have this living reminder of exactly how old Imogen would be, of what milestones she'd be reaching, of exactly what we lost. And it's beautiful and terrible all at the same time. But when Katie and I were talking this year, as she was offering to make sacrifices for our good, and these are things like having Lucy open her presents separately if we didn't want to watch or things like that. I said, you know, last year there were things we needed to survive. There were things we just could and couldn't do, like holding her and 
and things like that. It wasn't really a question of whether or not it was fair to ask. It was simply what we had to do. And this year, it's not about survival. We're surviving. There will always be things that are difficult and hard, but we don't need the same caution anymore. And she nodded in understanding and she said, you know, that makes sense. But if you change your mind, let me know. She stayed. Not in the physical sense. We're sisters. There's not much of an option there. But in the soul sense, in the leaning in, the carrying our pain and sacrificing for our healing kind of way. Now, we love Lucy. We don't need to be protected from her. This sweet girl doesn't need to carry the weight of being a reminder. We're not putting that expectation on her. But the offer matters. The willingness is appreciated. And the sacrifice acknowledges our pain. Katie stayed. Peter stayed. Jordan stayed. And Ashley stayed. And so many other people have stayed. When our pain is messy when our capacity is diminished, when our focus is selfish. And we're so grateful for all the Josephs and Elizabeths out there, those of you who have stayed in supporting roles in someone else's story for a season, your calling is holy and divine and essential. I don't know that your story gets told quite as often, but hear me say that it is sacred work. And for those of you like me, whose bodies and minds are so weary and so disoriented that you can't even figure out whether to yell or laugh or cry. So sometimes it all comes out at the same time. For those of us who can't handle the pressure of one more should, even when it's true and leads to good things, I offer you two graces. One, you're doing the best you can. Let that be enough. And two, God with us would have been enough. But we have Joseph with us too. Elizabeth with us also. Peter and Katie and fill in the blank here with your person or people with you too. He stayed. She stayed. May you be held in love this Christmas. And may you know you are not alone. Our Josephs and Elizabeths aren't always named, so... If you have one who has stayed with you, tell them how much it means this Christmas. Thank them for their presence and their sacrifice and let them know how much it matters. This wraps up season two of the Even If podcast. And I know this is cheesy, but I get messages every single day from people who have found this podcast on the recommendation of a friend or support group or social media. And ratings and reviews are one of the primary ways people find it. And it would mean so much to me this Christmas if you'd take a moment to leave a rating and share a quick review highlighting how this podcast has ministered to you. Wishing you a meaningful Christmas season and hoping you're finding a way to celebrate with family and friends this year. I can't thank you enough for listening and can't wait to be back next year after the break.